Welcome to Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, April 25th of 2023, where two laypersons, a pastor, and an academician gather each week to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday. Today we gather at 6.30 a.m. And for our friend Charles Willard, he's not with us today from Minnesota, but we hope we'll get a chance to see him real soon. This Sunday is April 30th, and we're working to be faithful to year A. Here's how it works. We prepare independently in advance of the discussion after receiving some formative questions from the week's leader. And then in this podcast, we share, question, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's conversation. Sarah Mickelson from Tampa. Bill Hall, St. Petersburg, Florida. And I'm Don Upton in Charlotte, North Carolina. And our lead this week is Bill Hall. He's going to read the scripture and guide us through some of the discussion today. Hope you're doing well today, Bill. I am. Thank you. Good morning, colleagues and those listening and viewing later. We're glad to have you as a part of this conversation. Our scripture for uh, the gospel lesson for the coming Sunday is 10th chapter of John, verses 1 through 10. And I read from the... uh, New, new Revised Standard, New Revised Standard Version Updated Edition, but I will note for us that there are no differences between this updated version and the standard New Revised Standard Version. That's something I track every week. So far, I only see what I would consider to be somewhat subtle differences. So the scripture, John 10, 1 to 10, the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Very truly, Jesus said, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, a signal that We're going to take a somewhat different approach this week. Usually, 
I would have come up with three set questions that I would have sent in advance. Let me lead into it this way. The passage we just heard may be characterized in a variety of ways, a parable, an analogy, a discourse. I even found one scholar, Margaret Eimer, who says it's a proverb. Um, Another calls it an antithetical parallelism in Interpreter Study Bible. Mark Davis says of this passage, quote, I think this reading is an interesting, even curious study in figurative speech with a real twist. Now, building on this phrase, figure of speech, which occurs in the passage, um, I want to offer and invite us into a somewhat different approach. The Bible is literature framed and constructed using Many, if not all, of the figures of any literature, the the Bible is sacred, it is authoritative for us, but it is human literature. And this narrative presents an opportunity to explore how the techniques of literature are employed in this passage and how that use of language may shape and inform our questions. Now, the images I have highlighted on my paper are sheepfold, gate, thief, bandit, shepherd, sheep, gatekeeper, gate, name, voice, stranger, pasture, life. (laughs) And I've alerted my colleagues who, and I say this sincerely and appreciatively, are very steeped in drama, literature, music, and I have been enriched by their experience and understanding and passion for uh, the the use of drama, literature, music uh, to communicate. So I want to begin, and I'll let the two of you, one of you decide who goes first. Help us, at least for a, a few minutes here, to understand the use of figures of speech in literature, art, music, and whatever other form you want to use. One of you go first, please. Don, what's your favorite figure of speech and how is it used? Wow. Wow. Uh. (laughs) Music. Oh, it could be well, I, I, I think, Donald, little head. Yeah, I, I see the the dynamics of metaphor and personification would be the areas I like, mm-hmm. and I carry through music and lyrics really well. Mm-hmm. I think I like that the best. Um, maybe you know the best way to get it started might be you know just through third party saying I want to label something or I want to just kind of create an archetype. So uh, you'd have uh, uh, an illustration of Ralph Waldo Inverson. He's a giant eyeball. Or you have an image or description, a nasty one of George Bernard Shaw, and he's a typewriter with eyeballs. Uh, My dad was a school board chair in the editorial cartoon, and this was a compliment. He was in a menagerie of animals. He was, the, he was the owl. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I, I'm starting with that is you know, those are fairly shallow, but that's not what Jesus is doing. They're shallow. This is rushing towards something shallow, easy, and quick. It's fun, but it doesn't have the depth. Jesus is doing something. He's picking professions and activities and callings that are so close to the truth. At least my position would be he's not like a shepherd. He is shepherd. It's the thing. He is, it's, it's actually not metaphor. It's actually him. So you're rushing there. So I'm starting with the extremes of kind of the archetypes and things using that. And what's the extreme of the disruption is sometimes it's meant to be shallow and disruptive. So there was this writer in my youth who decided he was so fed up with people trying to get through idiomatic speech and understand his lyrics, he decided he would just confuse the world and said, I am a walrus. I am the walrus. And, and I've read some things about what he meant to do. And he's just meant to create chaos. So there's some extremes Compared to that, it's like the Walrus Rut. People have been studying that. It's like it doesn't. He was actually on uh, psychedelic drugs at the time, so there's no there there for him. So th- those are my favorite, not because the ones that create confusion or shallowness, but there actually is a, a destination when you really get it right. When it when you it, when you can cut away all the other pieces, we end up with Jesus saying, "I am Shepherd," which is a relational, deep. He is Shepherd. It's not like it. he is shepherd. Uh, it's kind of like we're not trying to figure out where Jesus is, but how Jesus is, how how he goes about being. Uh, that's that's what my thoughts said. What about you? You you have an answer to that? Not specifically, but I do appreciate the way these figures of speech take us with them. Papa was a mm-hmm. rolling. Right? That's a metaphor to describe a particular person in a particular person's life. Um, and and you you get the meaning by the simple phrase, and you it draws this picture in your head of a rock tumbling down the hill. Um, I, I, I'm with you on personification. I think that's one of the things um, that has has gripped me and taken me with it more often than not. Metaphor, certainly, and, and simile are both um, parts of a particular conversation. The figures of speech, um, onomatopoeia is a great one because it gives you the, the sound as well as um, being the liberator, lets us loose from what holds us back and takes us with the conversation or with the story. Um, the ones that that I see most often... And it, people use irony a lot to, mm. to contrast or to draw a person um, uh, away from a particular attachment. Um, the word antithesis comes out of my mouth more than anything, I think. Um, my husband calls me the queen of metaphor. So I'm going to go with yes. Um, I think the purpose being take the listener with you or take the reader with you when you have these wonderful illustrative stories that that give you places to hook in because they have immediate meaning in your mind and 
the way the, the writer takes you with them uh, lets you attach to their story quickly because you already have a built-in image in your head. You know what a shepherd looks like. You know what a sheep looks like. You probably have some understanding of a sheepfold. You probably have some understanding of thieves and bandits. Um, and, and those all make this story accessible to the listener, especially a listener in Jesus' time who would know and have working knowledge of sheep, sheepfolds, how do they behave, what do they do, how do we understand them. Um, it might be something that would be super easy for a, that listener to grasp and to go with. And I think that's the beauty of how these parts of speech, these figures of speech, work for us today in the same way they worked for the listener in Jesus' time. Does that answer your question? Yeah. And, and Bill, it's uh, I'm really attracted to uh, how someone or a description shifts into something else. And it's something I want to get into when we get to the scripture part of this, that when we deal with personification and metaphor concepts, there's, there, there can be a, and I'm not saying Jesus is Proteus, but there's something Protean about it in terms of who is he? And he's trying, he's trying to help us land it, nail it, get it right. Uh, and and there's a there's there's Jesus in many forms. That for me in my theology it all adds up to one thing. But I think the ones that work for me, Sarah, are the ones that are are shifting um, a, into something that becomes almost like concrete. Um, two simple examples from uh, popular music. I'm enormous Kate Bush fan. Enormous. In her song, The Dreaming, she's been violated. She's been let down. She feels isolated and compromised, and she will not let the memories of someone or that person back into her house. And at the end of the song, she says, I will not let you in. I face towards the wind. I change into a mule. I change into a mule. And the rest of the song ends with her brain and her suburbs. Now, is she a, she's a mule as far as I'm concerned at that point. She's changed into something, and that's very concrete to me, hearing a human being braying like a mule because she's so stubborn, she doesn't want to lay a body back in her house. And another one of her songs called Rocket's Tale, she, there's, a, there's a, a, a love at a distance, and she's making fun of somebody impressed with fireworks going off in a lake. And at the end, she becomes a firework. She actually puts on a pointed hat in a black and silver suit. She puts gunpowder on her back. She strikes a stick on herself and sets herself on fire. And she is a rocket on fire. Uh, it's a very dark image, but there's this changing that's going on. And I, 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 I'm attracted to that, is that we become, in the metaphor of personification, you're becoming something else. It draws out some pagan images here that C.S. Lewis would agree with and other Christians would not. But Bill, I like I like some of the protean elements of what what the scripture brings in too. How about you, Bill? Back to you, brother. Thank, thank you, folks. Uh, my colleagues illustrated and confirmed my confidence in them, and they could go on for much longer. Uh, a couple of comments I will make. 
not so much about specific figures of speech, but um, it seems to me that all human communication is at best an analogy. My scriptural support for that comes from 1 Corinthians 13. We know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. I think all communication is an analogy because we do not even know ourselves perfectly. Even right now, I believe I am not fully communicating what is going on inside of me. And I I find that encouraging, a reminder of our humanity. And the, the scriptures, especially the gospels, are rich with parables and analogy. It's like, it's like this. Well, it's also like this. Oh, by the way, all the stories, the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the, the prodigal son. Um, I, I find this discussion a reminder of the humanity of the gospel. Jesus is the word become flesh. We celebrated that at Christmas. And we are human with all the potential and limits of that. And I think, for example, any figure of speech has its challenges. It's noted in this passage, the people didn't get it. (laughs) Um, Peterson picks up on that when he translates a portion this way. Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again, I'll be explicit then, I am the gate. So uh, I, I find it a helpful reminder that at our best, we do not fully understand ourselves. My wife and I are coming up on our 58th wedding anniversary, and we chuckle that sometimes we have a conversation even after 58 years, and we we have to almost start again. No, wait a minute, that isn't what I meant. You didn't hear me. <laughs> I I think it's good to be able to have a sense of humor about that. But communicating at its best has limitations. Um, so. Shifting gears now to the scripture itself, and thank you, uh, Sarah and Don. Again, there's much more that, that we could share, but I just encourage all of us to be mindful of the, the human use of methods, styles of communication in scripture. Now, I have done some grouping, and I, one could group them differently, But I want to start with some groups of images and ask us to reflect on them. For example, I grouped sheepfold, gate, and gatekeeper. What do those images um, elicit in us? And, And I will share this. As I read this very familiar story, I thought, 
It's a reminder that we need boundaries. The sheepfold is a, a wall um, and uh, it's somehow a contained space. And we are contained in family. <laughs> um, my wife and I are regular attenders at Palmasia Persian Church, Sybil is a member. Technically, I'm not because somebody early on decided that the best thing you could do for churches is not let Presbyterian ministers join. <laughs> so we're a member of Presbytery. Um, we we belong there. There 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 are those circles of influence. And uh, Sarah, you said in the pre-recording conversation, this is about relationship. I don't want to steal your thunder, but it it, it is using the image of walls and sheep and shepherds and all that, it's about relationship. Uh, And so that there's a sheepfold, a gate, and a gatekeeper, somebody is watching. Someone is monitoring, and there are ways in which we need that. Uh, Don, what does sheepfold, gate, and gatekeeper generate in your mind and spirit? Well, starting where you you were on uh, the lack of understanding, uh, I I, I get comfortable with this pretty easily. So what's that? Am I that far off base that people standing there can't figure it out? I, I don't. I don't. I'd like to know the answer to that. And ironically, two thousand years ago, I think I get it, but the people standing around did not. And and I, all I can get to on that is sheepfold uh, gatekeeper, uh, sheepfold uh, gatekeeper, um, and and all that surrounds that in these descriptions. At the time, has nothing to do with God. There is just a disconnect, and it's going to take practice, practice, practice. Family, family, family. Relationship, relationship, relationship. And maybe, maybe I am the inheritor of of an idiom that works. Maybe I'm inheriting a book and a history and a church floating through time that works. I, I, that's my best explanation of why that works. And the sheepfold and the gatekeeper make that work. Um, what's presented is uh, it's dynamic uh, and I would say it's an ecosystem and it starts with real clarity on what it is. I mean, you can almost go like, well, that's kind of boring. You're just dealing sheepfold, gatekeeper, etc. But it is what it is. I am who I am. You don't want to overlay the shepherd on top of that. Uh, can I, I'll cut to it in that ecosystem? Can a sheep, can a thief be a shepherd? Yes or no? Can can a pretender thief pretend his way into being a shepherd? And the answer is no. No middle ground, no gray area. Sheepfold, gatekeeper, no 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 compromise, no middle. It is what it is. There is no pretender. A thief is not a shepherd. You put one leg over the wall, doesn't work. If the sheep doesn't know your voice, you're not a shepherd. You're not, you're not, you're not. You are, you are, you are, are. I am, I am, I am. And so in the simplicity of this, I think is just, you know, it's almost like at the beginning you'd say back pattern. You know, this is actually, this is already landing. 
of something so simple that maybe it's confusing the crowd. That's all I got on that one, Bill. Thank you. Sarah, Sheepfold Gate Gatekeeper. I like we're playing the $20,000 pyramid. So for me, these are nouns that this audience recognizes. They are connected opportunities for the listener, the speaker. Jesus isn't – one of the things that, that stands out to me is the crowd doesn't understand why Jesus is using this language. That's the challenge, I think, that – be more explicit. I am the gate. So there's this clarity that arrives in verse – Seven, that yeah, and because we are okay, I'm, I'm paying attention. I see those pictures in my head. You told me sheepfold, gate, and gatekeeper, but I don't know why you're telling me those things yet. And I think that's you know the, the art of of good teaching is to engage the learner, right, and then take the learner to a place where they can understand the larger scope of the picture or the larger mathematical equation. Um, I think for us, these words, um, if you were just to give them to me randomly and not attach them to scripture, I don't know that I would make the connection to the creator with these words. And and maybe that's the challenge of every listener that encounters um, John 10 verses 1 through 6. So that the, the challenge for me is context. And I think the challenge for the listener's context to hear it with the intent that Jesus imparts to these words. Why does he tell us these things? Why does he want us to see in our minds the gate, the gatekeeper, and the the sheepfold? The sheepfold is a protective agent, right? The gate is a protective agent. The gatekeeper is a protective agent. All of these things shelter, protect, keep safe. Um, the sheep. Jesus didn't say, pretend you're a sheep in that sheepfold. That comes later. But in this particular story, we're not asked to be the sheep. We're asked to see the role of the shepherd, the gatekeeper, the um, the sheepfold and the gate as 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 something that we would encounter in everyday life, like a spoon, a bowl. And, and perhaps a fork. And we don't understand the relationship between those objects until Jesus says, I am the gate. And I think that's valuable for us to see those things as more than tools, but as part of a protective environment or a protective system for sheep. Thank you. Now, to illustrate a quote I used earlier, uh, one scholar describes this as antithetical parallelisms to move to an antithesis. Another grouping idea of the words here, by the way, in the New Revised Standard Version, by my computer count, there are 204 words in what I read to us, 25 of which use these images we're looking at frequently. The other grouping is thief, bandit, stranger. Thief, 
Bandit Stranger. Sarah, what do you make of that? Those words, those Those images. Threatening words. Those words are are things that strike fear. Um, Because a thief would steal what I have. A bandit would probably leave me in the ditch beaten up. Um, I, I think that those particular words are meant to 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 be the um, antithesis or the the thing that is the opposite of that we can lay alongside the sheepfold, the gate, and the gatekeeper. That those are meant to be contrasting language to help us hold on to or grasp more closely the meaning or the value of the shepherd, the sheep. Um, the sheepfold, the gate, and the gatekeeper. So the, the contrasting language presents us with what they are not. The sheepfold, the gate, and the gatekeeper are not the bandit. They're not the thief. They're not the, um, uh, what was the third thing? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, the stranger. Thank you. Don, your thoughts on Thief, bandit, stranger. I think there's a promise in this, a big one. Uh, the sheep know. I'm going to add. How do you how do you get through thief, bandit, stranger? Voice. Right. It's not like I hope I get it right. I hope I'm following the right person. I hope the right person is leading me out. I hope the person that then comes through the gate is the person for whom I belong. That's not in play at all. There's nothing in here in play. There's nothing on the precipice. I mean, there's harm that could come to the sheep, but there is no question about who the shepherd is. So you, they're using the thief, the bandit, and the stranger as an affirmation, and that the sheep, no. Number two, um, that is connected to not being a stranger because if you meet a shepherd, Somebody goes, well, I'm a shepherd. That's my profession. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm a shepherd. This is the this is the ecosystem, and this is the world. This is the fact of the world. This is real. Well, how many sheep do you have? I don't have any. Well, then you're not a shepherd. So there is that promise as well. This is not like a shepherd by himself. A shepherd only is a shepherd if the shepherd has sheep. So there's that promise again. They know the voice. And then a shepherd can't be a shepherd without sheep. Who is Jesus? What is the mind of God? I'm a shepherd. Do you have sheep? No. No. I have sheep. God so loved the world. I have sheep. Uh, and then there's not any risk. Thief, bandit, stranger, much like we're talking about gatekeeper and uh, other things. Thief, bandit, stranger are not in play. They are facts as well. There is no pretender. Someone goes over the wall not shepherd, period, through the gate. And and I think that's a part of the promise as well. Is it possible in this idiomatic world we're dealing with here with the metaphors and the personification, does the stranger all of a sudden start looking and smelling and behaving and having a voice like a shepherd? No, never, never. That's what I got. No, is it... Uh, and it walks like a duck. It's not a duck. I think that's important. 
Uh, and I will briefly allude to this. That is the world as it is. Don't worry. Yeah. Right. As opposed to how this has been, I believe, misused over time in terms of inside, outside, God's people, not God's people. I don't think that's what this is at all. Mm. Yeah, it just briefly, and now I'll move on to another group. Um, this, to me, is a contemporary reminder that there are strange voices that pretend to be the shepherd. Just look at how across the spectrum Christians are acting and interpreting uh, life today. The, another group is shepherd, sheep, name, voice. For the sake of time, I'll put those four together. Um, shepherd, sheep, name, voice. You alluded to voice, Don. So I'll go back to you. These words and images, shepherd, sheep, name, voice. It's the, it's the dynamic. It's, I started with, you know, a few minutes ago, uh, shallow, archetype, editorial. You know, this is the depth. This is the real depth. I think voice is, for me, always the breakthrough. I have seen people with sheep. I know my grandfather had sheep. It is true. That imprint is fixed. It is real. It is, I believe, unchangeable. Can the flock be cut to pieces? Yes. But does that change the fact that they know the shepherd? No. Does it change at all? So, I mean, that's just my simple, quick answer. I, that's, it's, that is also fixed. But the depth of the Christ on this uh, and that the Christ would use a calling, a profession, a vocation. At first, it's like, no wonder they're confused and startled by this. But vocational work, what we do, career, thats a, I can't think of anything deeper than that in many ways in terms of people and ecosystem and love and family and wage and fairness and ethic. I mean, it's, that, it's a deep, deep uh, Uh, Thank you. Uh, I will relate quickly a personal experience. Growing up, I studied the 23rd Psalm, did the flannel graph of the characters in that uh, poem, which, by the way, the 23rd Psalm is in the lectionary group for this week that we're dealing with. Um, For our 40th wedding anniversary, Sybil and I took a 10-day trip in Scotland. And yes, I had seen an individual sheep in a zoo, but there was a national contest of shepherds. <clears throat> and we drove for several hours out into the back country. And here were all these flocks scattered out across. And what you immediately saw was that the flocks stayed together. And different shepherds used different techniques, a whistle, or uh, a word, uh, the, the actual contest was sheep dogs, okay? Uh, and the different ways that shepherds, but I don't, I don't know how many flocks there were out there, but you didn't have to spend very long to realize the sheep stayed together within their grouping. And I thought that's a powerful example of the the 
the influence of voice and of recognition and of trust. And um, again, to refer to today's world, we can differ over what voice we listen to, but if we listen to the shepherd, we hear love your enemies, care for the oppressed, um, share. These uh, Acts passage this week is the Christians coming together and selling all that they have so that there was no poor among them, another way to shepherd. Sarah, your thoughts on sheep, shepherd, name, voice? Again, nouns that don't have meaning until you put context with them. Um, I think part of our challenge is to see the connections between shepherd, sheep, name, and voice. Um, Jesus says to the demoniac, what's your name? And is able to call out the demons from legion and 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 liberate that person from the possession that they're experiencing. So there's this relationship between these words that the language draws us closer to, and it speaks to why is there a relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, or the sheep and the shepherd? Why is there a relationship between voice and name and and pointing toward the the crafting of what does authentic love look like versus contrived love or love that is pretended to be love. And and when we see these incongruencies in real life, we can go, I don't understand that. That, for me, is confusing to understand how that expression of love works in this relationship or that expression of love works in this society. Because I think that's part of why we lean into community, why we lean into church, why we lean into relationships with groups of people or even individuals is because there's an affection, a genuine affection there. Now, when that genuine affection is uh, contrived or um, is used as a tool to get to something for the particular um, person that's contriving it, it doesn't have the same authenticity, it doesn't have the same value, it doesn't have the same um, uh, creative or, or energetic relationship or, or conduit, if that makes sense. Um, and here I am grasping through things that are metaphors for what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that's the part that is the magic of the spirit, if there is such a thing, um, that that helps us differentiate between authentic and inauthentic relationship. And Jesus implies that by saying, I am the gate. Everybody else that comes toward you, if they don't come through the gate, they're not that's not authentic. That's not real. That's contrived and it has a selfish reason um for existing. And I think that's Jesus' way of saying it's through love that you will find life, an abundant life. 
using your last words as a bridge <laughs> to the final group that I can. And I will tell you about what I'm minutes. about to know. You know, what? I'm sorry, Don, what'd you say? We got four minutes. Okay. Um, I had not noticed this last, it had not Velcroed itself, pasture and life. He says, I, the people who follow me will find pasture and will have life and have it abundantly. Um, interestingly, some commentators get in a, a debate whether or not this links to the 23rd Psalm. I don't quite understand the strength of some of the arguments that it does and it can't. To me, it clearly uh, echoes the 23rd Psalm, pasture and life and life abundant. And I purposely put that last because I think that's what Jesus intends us to hear. Verse 11, which follows, has Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. Now, respecting our time constraints, um, others can respond, and Don, you're the gatekeeper, the timekeeper, so do your thing. Sarah, Don, pasture and life. Pasture and life, uh, pastures outside, coming and going. We're not inside. We have to, we go outside, out, 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 out. And I will go back to the last few readings we've had in year A. As the gospel of locked doors, do we stay inside? He appears to his followers after he's risen. Are they gonna, he's like, well, stay in here and keep things locked down. No. It's out there. It's out there. Church is out there. People are out there. Villages, hospitality, everything is out there. That's the abundance. So I think the coming going of this, who is the shepherd? The shepherd is not staying. Shepherd is not the gatekeeper, as in the gate only swinging to let you in. That's a swinging gate. Maybe Jesus would say, I am the swinging gate. I am the door that goes around and round, uh, in and out, and in and out. But I am the shepherd. So I think, I think for me that's important, and abundance is that whole dynamic system. But especially out, outside is, is where the abundance um, resides. And just a, a quick note on, uh, you know, we're really asking, say, you know, who is Jesus? Who is he? And uh, one thing I wanted to distinguish here is if you do a search in uh, like poetry.com, I am, find poems about I am, uh, you know, it's just just over, it's me, I am, I am, I am, I am. And, you know, it's a part of our literature. Who am I? Who am I? I am a package. I am a rock. I am a rock. I'm an island. It's all there. Uh, But the, the shallow stuff is when you go, he is. She is. They are. And uh, in this case, who is Jesus? Jesus says. And that's our tradition is to say, Jesus said. Not like, I, I, can, I, can, I can sum up Jesus as follows. That's not what we're taught. I mean, who is Jesus? This is part of when it, Jesus is the God of abundance. Jesus is the shepherd. But I'm taught to say, Jesus said, I am. Right, not I say Jesus is. That's where we can lose our grip. That's that's where we can be very playful with our own metaphors, and we can create our own God. And we can we can patch together what we want. Jesus provides a very specific ecosystem here where He says, "I am." That's what I got, Bill. 
I'll add briefly. Exist versus thrive. That we exist, but joy changes whether we thrive or not. Love changes whether we thrive or not. I agree with you. We have to go in and out the gate, but our experience is only to exist unless we understand the relationship, in which case it converts itself to an energy called joy or love, and those things provide the the ability for us to thrive. Thank you, Don and Sarah. Don, back to you. Thank you, Bill. And for our listeners, it is a lot of fun. I think, you know, we're invited in to to have this joyful kind of discussion, and I, I believe we're called to look at how we represent nature in our lives in a way where we can provide context for that I am. Because we know, we know that voice. We know there's a certainty there. There's a promise in what he's saying. Uh, the uh, Palmasia Presbyterian Church makes this podcast possible. We want you to know that church is at 3501 West San Jose. That's in Tampa, Florida. And for more information, you can go to palmasia.org. That's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A.org. We commend that site to you for opportunities to take communion. Great sermons, outstanding music, prayers, meditations, discussions, Sunday schools, uh, and Differences of opinion, which we relish so that we can refine our own views and understanding as we go about the in and out of our day. And you're always welcome. We'll see you next time.